Chase is alive. He killed my friend, now he's coming for me. He's got a death curse. Jason's a legend. I'm Mrs. Warrior, an old friend of the Christie's. Jason belongs to hell. You're doing if you stay here. Never come back again. You see, Jason was my son. And today is his birthday. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Return to Camp Blood. I'm your host, Nathan Barker, and joining me tonight, our co-host, Eric Walford. Hey, what's going on, y'all? And Landon Evanson. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Tonight marks a special milestone here at Return to Camp Blood, and that is this is our 100th episode. So first off, I'd just like to thank all the listeners out there at Camp Crystal Lake We definitely appreciate those who take the time to hear us talk about our favorite horror franchise and hope that you enjoy what we've been able to bring you so far. We love you. Absolutely. We appreciate all the support. And secondly, I'm sure most of you who listen regularly have noticed a change in personnel a while back, so I just thought I'd address that as well before we kick things off tonight. A few months back, I'm sure some of you have noticed that Chris has not been on the show. If any of you were curious about why you haven't heard his voice... That is because Chris is no longer producer, and he is pursuing other avenues, and we definitely wish him the best of luck with that. So I took over Chris's role a while back as executive producer and main host. So I'd just like to also add, you know, big thanks to Chris for starting the show, you know, 100 episodes ago. I'm sure he never thought that there would be a 100th episode and we'd be where we're at today. So a big thanks to him for kicking this show off a couple years ago now, and definitely good luck with your future avenues. So absolutely. Thanks, man. And I mean, that that's kind of humbling. Oh, the hundredth episode, you know, I mean, Lando, I mean, it started out with an interview with Lando about Friday the 13th, 100 fucking episodes, Lando. That congratulations. Return to camp blood. Yeah, no, this is, it's impressive to get that far. I mean, you know, I think it speaks to, uh, the fact that there are a lot of good ideas on this show that you're talking about being able to get to hundred episodes and still have something that's worthwhile to talk about. And we were talking a little bit off air. We have a lot of ideas to get us through most of the summer. So, uh, you know, it's a good group here and it's, it's good, good conversation. So I'm, I'm glad that this podcast exists at all, let alone, you know, being a part of it. I'm very, very proud to be a part of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's a lot of work, you know, getting guests, And, you know, some of the alumni working around their schedules and Mm -hmm. just, you know, everything that's going on, you know, most people don't realize, you know, how big the franchise really truly is. I mean, we have independent artists and and filmmakers and alumni, and there's just tons of people involved. So the show content, it's out there. We just have to go get it. So Mm -hmm. we work our fucking asses off to bring this show to the listeners every Friday. Now, granted, we might take a break at the end of the year, but, you know, 100 episodes. So obviously that's two years worth of Friday. And Mm -hmm. just like Lando said, we're not stopping. We've got content (laughs) coming up. You know, there's there's lots of stuff coming up. We got the game getting ready to drop, you know, more alumni that want to come on and talk, you know, the the more word of mouth and the more promotion and the show getting out there. We're going to keep this going on as long as we can, you know, so thanks to the guys that started the foundation and now we're in the air we've done lifted off and we're not going to land anytime soon. <laughs> Absolutely so not. 
anyone that was curious about why you haven't heard Chris on the show, like I said, he's pursuing some other avenues and we wish him the best of luck. So I just thought I'd go ahead and address that since it's been a little while now. So uh, good luck to him and all of his you know future ventures. So there you have it. We'll go ahead and move on. But with this being a milestone for us at episode 100, I thought, you know, what better to talk specifically about than the man himself, Big J. So tonight we will be discussing our top three Jason actors. Now, this list certainly doesn't mean that these are our favorite films in the franchise, but basically just our personal favorite representations of the best slasher out there. Now, Lando recently wrote an article for iHorror that generated a shit ton of buzz back on Derek Muir's birthday. And it was an article, you know, obviously wishing Derek a happy birthday. And in that article, he expressed his thoughts on Derek being the best Jason. And I have to admit, on all social media platforms, that article took a fucking beating for the most part. <laughs> I mean, holy shit. Uh, I'm surprised that someone didn't burn his house down or he didn't get death threats and need secret service for fuck's sake. I heard about Pitcher Fortin. I heard pitchforks bonfires head on a platter I, yeah. like, that's what i heard i don't know i don't know i just know that for the most part it took a beating and i do have to say that from my observations that the most of the beating and this is no disrespect but most of the beating came from the kane hotter army out there and now to each their own you know uh kane's great and, you know, opinions are what they are. And I commend Lando for stepping up to the plate and giving his opinion. And it is what it is. If you don't like the article, you know, don't read it. But, uh, yeah, holy shit. It looked like that thing took a beating. And it had tons of shares. And, you know, either way, uh, what do they say? Any PR is good PR or or there's no such thing as bad press, you know, whatever the hell the sayings are out there. You know, either way, I'm surprised that uh, you didn't get a machete over that because you definitely pissed some fucking people off. I knew I was going to take a beating when I wrote it, but, you know, I, I wrote it because that's that's really what I believe, not just personally, but intellectually. Yeah. And well, I, you know I what? Knew... Hold, those thoughts, though. Hold those thoughts. We'll talk about that in a minute, though. Uh, definitely wanted to address that, but... I'll go ahead and give a spoiler, and I'll say that Kane <laughs> did not make my list for top three. But not, like I said, nothing personal. That's just my opinion. But he is certainly up there. Absolutely. Uh, you know, with being in four films, he definitely has his contributions to Friday, and I definitely respect that. So with that being said, now, with Derek Mears being mentioned, now, Derek might not be my first choice, but he ranks in for me personally at number three. Now, mind you, this is a super hard decision for a Friday fan to have to pick top three Jasons. And the only reason that Derek isn't higher up on the list, such as one or two on my personal list is because of who paved the way for him. But I loved his portrayal of the character and I think he nailed it. You know, the 2009 film will always have its haters, but I, I personally enjoyed it. There might be a couple issues with it. You know, you can't please everyone. I've got my issues with it myself, but those have nothing to do with the direct portrayal that we see on screen as Jason. But this isn't a show about 2009. This is a show about Jason in general. So Derek is my number three. So before we get any further, you know, I'll just start with you, Lando. Uh, let's talk about the article before we talk about your number three. So, you know, you mentioned that Derek was the best Jason, but 
with that in mind, you didn't say that he was your favorite Jason. So first off, just give me a little bit of insight since it's been, what, uh, three, four weeks since that article has came out now. You've had a chance to read some of the comments and some of the discussion about it. You know, what are your thoughts about your article now that you've had some time to, you know, see the reaction to it? Well, I was, I, my feeling has been the, the same since it first came out. It just it makes me smile that there are so many people who are passionate about Friday the 13th. There are so many people out there that the Friday the 13th franchise means something to them. It's not just something that's that's passive, that's throw away. You know, they look at it as they, they have very strong opinions on the matter. And it just goes to show that, you know, it, it it's important to them. And I mean, that's something that, you know, it makes me smile. It's like heartwarming. You know, every once in a while you hear somebody say, well, with all the legal problems and as long as it's been, I mean, and some people who don't like the 2009 film, is it even worth continuing on? Is Friday the 13th dead? Well, obviously not. Obviously, there are a lot of people this means something to. And, uh, you know, it just makes me happy that that's the case. I mean, I knew I was going to take a beating when I wrote it. Uh, but that didn't stop me from doing it. You know, it's what I think personally and uh, intellectually as well. I just I just really feel like Mir's, his performance was just out of this world. But we've talked about it on the show before. I'm sure we'll talk about it again here. It really just comes down to, you know, what your preference is. I mean, human Jason, zombie Jason, and, you know, they are two different things. And so obviously I think me writing that article, pretty pretty obvious the way I feel about it, that, you know, I prefer human Jason. but. It was just fun to write just because, you know, I I knew it was going to get some people worked up. But, you know, just because somebody disagrees with it doesn't necessarily make that a bad thing. No, not at all. And, you know, I guess I should have said earlier in the intro, but just, you know, just to kind of give things an overview. You know, the list is hard enough as it is with the amount of films that we have in the franchise and us discussing our top three Jason actors. It, it's really very difficult in general not just because we have that amount of films, but because we have half of them that are essentially zombie Jason and half of them that are human Jason. So, you know, we probably should have done a top three human Jason and a top three zombie Jason. That probably would have been more fair. But since it's the 100th episode, you know, why not just talk about Jason in general? Because, hey, that's why we love the franchises because of mm -hmm. Jason Voorhees, you know, the hockey mask, the machete, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, just to throw that out there that, you know, that's what makes everything, you know, so difficult for the list. And like I said, Derek is number three for me. You know, I, I love what they did in 2009 and the direction that they went with the film. You know, there's things that people aren't going to like, but, you know, Derek, or not Derek. Uh, yes, Derek, but Derek as Jason, he did run in the film. Uh, Jason ran in other films, you know, the portrayal that we see of him basically living off the land and the surroundings that we see and all the information we're given. I mean, I, th I just think they nailed it. I mean, great job. You know, Derek was a good choice. He's a, a great character actor like that. And, you know, I just think he did an awesome job and, you know, the brutal, uh, the brutality that we see that, that kind of takes us back to, you know, part four and some of the other films, I just, I just think it's awesome. You know, great job, Derek. And you're my number three. Yeah. It's funny. You bring up par four because uh, my number three is Ted white. Um, I, I had no choice. There's no way I could have this list. And we talked about it before. It's like coming up with a top five, that would still be difficult, but not as much. I mean, like we said, you get past five or six portrayals and then it gets to be, it's like, okay, 
now you're just picking somebody. But when you're saying we can only have three, that means you're leaving people out. And that's what makes it challenging and fun. But I had to put Ted White in there just because, in my opinion, uh, what the way we see Jason now and the representation of, you know, the badass, the ultimate killer, uh, just a, a death machine. It started with Ted White. I mean, the first and the second and third films, I mean, we saw that, you know, Jason was still kind of growing into his role. I mean, it was it was something new. You know, you're killing for mother. But I mean, it was still kind of clunky. He was still a little awkward. You know, he was clumsy. And with Ted White, we saw, you know, he's at that point where he has honed in on what it is that he does. And he is just an absolute badass. And, you know, if you're if you see him, you need to get out of there as quickly as possible. And uh, it's just the idea of the come crashing through the door like he did in the final chapter. I mean, it was just, I mean, in a way, he was the first Jason that was, like, terrifying, you know, before. I mean, you knew the other, you know, second and third parts. Yeah, he means to do you harm, but Ted White's Jason was terrifying. And, you know, going back to to Derek Mears, you know, he emulated part of his performance on Ted White's performance. And so, I mean, I think that says a lot. So there was just no way I couldn't have Ted White on my list. Yeah. Oh, I totally hear you on that. And, you know, un- unfortunately, Ted is not on my list. And the only reason is for one simple fact, and it's really, it's it's kind of stupid now that I even think about it, because I think my list might change tomorrow if we talked about this tomorrow. But <laughs> shit, uh, the only thing with four, you know, I love four. Four is a great film, awesome film. And Ted, you know, awesome job. You know, the last few minutes, the climax is amazing. You know, classic Friday shit, uh, top-notch Friday shit. But we just really didn't see him much prior to that. And that's kind of what, you know, did it for me on my list was being able to see Jason more in his element that we see in other films. You know, um, basically all the other Friday films, we see more of Jason. And I just thought, you know, four just really kind of lacked on that. But the film's great. It's just as a Jason fan, I just want to see more. So the only reason that I I basically kind of you know, kept him off the top three was, was for that reason alone. And it's probably a stupid reason and I'll take a beating for it all day long. But I will say that based on the few minutes that we do see towards the end, that that is, you know, top notch and number one, had I seen more of it. So I don't know what you guys' thoughts are as far as that's concerned, but that's just my take on it. Well, I see your point. I mean, you know, if you'd seen a little bit more, but then it's the kind of thing is, you know, less is more. I mean, you think about the amount of time he was on screen, how effective it was, you know, I mean, think maybe, maybe that makes it a little bit more memorable. I can't even talk a little bit more memorable, but I, I definitely see your point. I mean, you know, when you see other portrayals of Jason getting more screen time, you know, you're getting to see a little bit more. You have a little bit more to make a call off of. So the fact that there wasn't quite as much with Ted White, I mean, I can't fault you for that. Yeah, I just kind of felt the need to kind of give an explanation in there as to, you know, most people are going to be like, you know, well, Ted White, Ted White, Ted White. Yes, I definitely agree. That's just the only reason why is I guess I was basically just pissed off that I didn't get to see more Ted White, you know, so no discredit to his performance. I'm just looking at the big picture and, you know, everything else that I see. But for the last few minutes, he's definitely, you know, number one in that aspect. So just wanted to give a little bit of a, I guess, a, a disclaimer in there for my decision-making. Makes sense. So, Eric, where do you stand? Well, I just wanted to say, and I, and sorry, guys, I uh, 
I I was letting uh, l- listening to what you two said, and you know, Lando, you mentioning that about mirrors. Now I know we can talk every single Friday the Thirteenth into the ground. Um, but what you said about mirrors, I mean, he was exactly what Jenny Field said Jason would be, and you did get to see emotion and that you hadn't seen from Jason. And yeah, he's wearing a mask. How much acting can he do? Like you said, a lot. That, that in itself, I mean, he did a great job. He didn't make, he didn't make my top three. He does. I'm a, I'm a Beatle fan. Along with my love for Friday the 13th, I love the Beatles. And when I was a young kid, I I loved John Lennon. When, uh, when I was a young adult, I, I loved Paul McCartney. And now uh, I'm still a young adult, but I'm approaching middle age, and I, I'm a George fan. And, you know, my Jasons can change, but I really want to... I wanted to look at this from the angle. What did they do that carried on through the franchise and though I think that there is a very different movie canon that is like one through four five and zombie Jason aired like you guys said and I think Kane's brutality even as zombie Jason was emulated by mirrors in uh, quite a few scenes. And uh, I'm going to put Kane Hodder at, at, at number three because I he did brutal well in a fantastic way. Uh, that's not to say, I mean, that's saying that, you know, the part eight, uh, the head kill, the how many head kills, the frozen head kill, the sleeping bag kill. How many kills can we say Kane Hodder did and did well? You know what I mean? I, he had a span of four movies, unlike anybody else. And I, I'm going to put him there just for he set the standard for what people expected from Jason after afterward. I mean, uh, in a way that was spectacular. Yeah, I can definitely see your thought process on that. I mean, Kane had some great kills, and, you know, the directors were awesome that he was able to work with, and definitely some great shots, you know, and having four films to play Jason in, you know, I can see why that would sway people's thought process as to him being one of the top Jasons. So definitely understandable on that aspect. And we were talking about this off air a little bit earlier, but, uh, you know, I just got to throw it out there again because the idea popped into my head and it's just uh, if Kane had only played Jason once, you know, I mean, would that change people's opinions? I mean, you talk about Kane's army and again, I have nothing but love and respect for Kane Hodder. I mean, I, I love the guy, but if he had only played the character once instead of four times, would so many people rush to have that slam dunk opinion that Kane is by far and away the best Jason? I mean, if he'd only appeared in, you know, the new blood, like Ted White only had the final chapter. 
you know, will people look at it and say, well, Kane was better than Ted? Uh, you know, maybe, you know, I think people could probably make the argument. Yes. But, uh, you know, at the same time, maybe not, you know, I think that's, that's an interesting, interesting way of looking at things just because, you know, uh, even if uh, Nate, like you said, even if Kane isn't, you know, your number one guy or he's not in your top three or whatever the case may be, everyone who loves and appreciates the Friday the 13th franchise knows how important Kane Hodder is regardless of where they rank up. Yeah, I mean, Kane's obviously, you know, right up there in Friday history because he was in four films, you know, but I I do think, you know, that's a that's a great question and that's something that we'll probably explore in a future episode, you know, with as yeah. far as Kane's concerned, but I think that, you know, if there would have been a different person in part eight, a different Jason in nine and in X, you know, we'd be, if we had, let's let's just say hypothetically, if we had, you know, 11 Jasons to choose from or 12 Jasons to choose from, I mean, obviously we don't have the newest film out yet, but if there was a different Jason, uh, an adult Jason in all the films, obviously part one's a different circumstance, but right. I mean, it would be, you know, you'd have all these different people to pick from. So, you know, with Kane, the thing about him is, and obviously we'll, we'll keep this short, but, you know, Kane kind of displayed the same portrayal in all the films. So, you know, it was the same style of Jason, you know, he kept the continuity of his, his portrayal, you know, all the way through the films. And that's something that's obviously resonated with the fans. And I don't disagree with it. I mean, like I said, he's, He's not on my on my tops, but I mean he's right up there. If I were to just you know, if let's just say that he was only in part seven, you know, he wouldn't have been in my top three list, but he would have been in my top five. You know, he did great things with the character. There's some things that I kind of disagree with as far as zombie Jason goes, but that's that's not what we're really here to talk about. So that's neither here nor there at the moment. But yeah, I mean that's something I think we'll definitely explore in, a, in another episode. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about Kane, I mean, you know, slipping into that number two slot, for me, Kane is number two. Uh, I've just, I know there are some people, like you talked about with Zombie, Jason, and, you know, the the heavy labored breathing. And some people have a problem with that because he's a zombie. Why would he even need to be doing that? But I just look at that more as what that represents. Just the idea that he's so excited to be able to go out there and lay waste and just rip people apart. He sees people that are in the camp or wherever they might be. I mean, obviously Jason takes Manhattan and then Jason X, he wasn't always at Camp Crystal Lake. Um, but he was just, he could not wait to get his hands on people. And I, I really liked that. It was the aggressiveness and some of the classic kills, Eric, you alluded to it a little bit before. I mean, the sleeping bag kill from the new blood and the Mike Tyson's punch out moment from Jason takes Manhattan, the liquid nitrogen and the face slam from Jason X. I mean, some of the most iconic kills in the history of the franchise belong to Kane Hodder. And, you know, there's just no arguing against that. But more than anything, like you talked about at the beginning, Nate, you know, it's not about your favorite. It's not about whether you love the movie or not. It's about the performance. And I think some people who don't think it's or don't give Kane as much credit as some others look at it and say, well, the movies he was in, if he's so great, why did the movies he was in weren't as good as, say, the first six? And I think, you know, he can't be held responsible for the fact that the storyline and the dialogue and some of the acting and some of those later films weren't up to the standard of the their predecessors, you know, his performance in each of them were fantastic. So I went with Kane at number two. Yeah. I mean, some things obviously are out of one single person's control and, and I get all that, you know, mm -hmm. um, the last few films 
are often deemed by a lot of fans as, you know, not being up there on the list, you know, and I won't necessarily disagree with that, but we're not really here to debate that at the moment either. But, uh, you know, it just, it is what it is. I mean, uh, his portrayal, you know, was definitely unique and, you know, I, I don't, I don't dislike his portrayal at all. You know, like I said, he, he brought some good things to the character. I mean, everybody in general brought their own things to the character. So it's just a matter of, you know, what, what is your Jason, you know, uh, what do you view Jason as for what it is that you're watching? And to go back, you know, to the earlier films where, you know, it was a transition. So, you know, from Brooker, you know, to white, to, you know, now we're at zombie Jason and, you know, it was just such a, like a, a crazy fast transition. So, like I said, it's almost unfair to even compare human versions to zombie versions, but mm-hmm. for being the hundredth episode, I just said, fuck it. We're just going to talk about, you know, all of them in general. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a, a lot of that in as much as, uh, any influence on the films that we that we saw you know it, that's it's a reflection of the times i i mean you've got you, there was a one of uh, 1980 through 4 there there was a certain air about them that was that generation uh, 5 was you know kind of confusing then then you know we hit the the backside of the 80s and everything changed and everything got a lot more hokey and uh, I don't know that it was poor I mean John Carl fucking phenomenal fucking job I mean the juxtaposition between the two places just like in part four I mean there's so many part four snippets I mean if you love part four it'd be hard you'd be hard pressed to not love part seven uh because of of the similarities um and uh we we got you know he a thousand different uh weapons jason used but part seven uh, was just great and i didn't i i didn't think that it went to the more hokey side until uh until part eight and mm-hmm. uh and i just i and not that that's bad i still love every i i love every friday the 13th and it's just it's it's a different style of film that uh is brought on by by popular culture i mean if that makes sense Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, we're talking about a decade worth of transition here. So, you know, uh, obviously times and fads and, you know, what's popular, you know, in 1982 isn't popular in 1987 anymore. So, you know, it just it is what it is with Friday. So you just got to take it with a grain of salt and look at it objectively. As far as, uh, you know, number two goes, where do you stand with that then, Eric? My number two uh, would go f- to the person that I liked seeing Jason because I liked the way that his kills were very militaristic. And 
very exact. And C.J. Graham did that uh, perfectly. I mean, his he had, I've said this before uh, that uh, that it was almost abbreviated facing movements and. Uh, if you don't know what that is, that's how you march in the military. It's what that's called when you turn and, uh, and it's a pivot on a foot and he did that so well. And yet, I mean, with Darcy DeMoss's kill, I mean, just ramming her head through, I mean, yeah, it got eighties hokey. I mean, I, it could have been, her head could have exploded with that just as easy. Uh, the times dictated what kind of kill that was and uh but brutal nonetheless i mean uh, and the militaristic style i mean carried on all the way even through and influenced Derek Mears and that i mean and that i think that that is a good bridge between the zombie era and back to human Jason with Derek Mears. So CJ Graham, number two. And you know what? I have to agree. I mean, CJ is, you know, he's right up there and that's who I had also for my number two. And, you know, part six is my favorite of the franchise. Uh, But CJ is my, my second favorite Jason. And like, like I said, that's just kind of because of what paved the way for him. But the big thing with CJ is when we're talking about zombie Jason is his portrayal of that specifically to me, he is the ideal portrayal of the zombie Jason. That's just my opinion though, you know, without the labored breathing and the things that some of the things that we see Kane do, you know, CJ is just a straight up fucking killing machine. I mean, 18 kills in part six, we see him all the time. I mean, there's plenty of Jason shots, and that might sway my opinion a little bit just because you see a lot of him. Um, you know, obviously, we have Dan Bradley in there a little bit, too. We'll give him a plug in there. But, um, you know, we see a lot of Jason in that film. And, you know, I, I just love the film in general. So maybe maybe that kind of sways my decision. I don't really know. But I just like the the brutalness that CJ brings to the character. And, you know, there's great kill shots in there. But I mean, he's just a, you know, he's just a, a brute in that film. I mean, that's what I picture Jason being, you know, just hacking people up. We've got, you know, the ideal, you know, camper, um, you know, situation with all the, all the people in the film. And it's, it's just a, a, to me, it's a great representation of classic Friday. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone who listens to the podcast and has heard me on here before knows my affinity for Jason lives as well. And now, you know, CJ did not make my list, but I can definitely see why you guys would want to put him on there because he, he definitely did a very good job. And like you talked about Nate, you know, the idea of zombie Jason and what that would look like. And his, his portrayal was, his interpretation was different than Kane's, but in a way, maybe a little bit more realistic. It was just the idea of just, I have one job, almost robotic in a way, you know, it was just, this is my job there's a person I have to go put down. I go put them down. I move on to the next one. It was almost yeah. like Terminator Jason. And, yeah. and, you know, there was something that was just fantastic about that because yes, I mean, you know, like Eric alluded to, there was some, you know, they, they wanted to put some interject, some humor 
into it. And I think that was definitely there, but I don't think it was so much to the point with Jason's kills that it was goofy. I think there were some that they wanted to elicit a little bit of a reaction from the audience, but I mean, you know, it was definitely CJ Graham was just, he was all business, you know, and there was some humor around him, but it wasn't that what his performance wasn't goofy in any way. I don't think. No, I don't think so either. I mean, he was just like you mentioned Terminator. I mean, he was the Jasonator, you know, that's the easiest way to describe it. He was just a, a badass killing machine. And that's what I picture, you know, Jason as, you know, in general. But once we come to zombie Jason, we're kind of, you know, we're transitioning into something different. So the way that we see the character portrayed as, I think that CJ did an amazing job with that. And like I said, we do get to see quite a bit of him you know, compared to some of the other films, you know, a lot of kill shots, a lot of good stuff with that. And, you know, uh, the, the horror comedy that you often hear people describe that as, you know, I think it works, you know, uh, I have no problem with it whatsoever, but, you know, overall just, I think, uh, you know, CJ is definitely worthy of a number two spot. Like I said, the only reason that he's really not number one in my book is just because of, you know, uh, what paved the way for him. So, you know, it is what it is opinions. Right. And I think like you talked about before, when you were talking about with Ted white, you know, you wish you had seen more of him. I think, you know, McLaughlin, when he made the film, if he understood that people go to see Jason. And so I think, you know, he put as much of him in there as he could without, without it being too much. It wasn't like, it was like, my God, he's in every scene, you know, but there was enough of it where it was satisfying. You know, you, you went to see Jason and you got to see Jason. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, with the, I guess, overall reception of part five, you know, back in the day, and people felt like maybe they were ripped off and, you know, there needed to be some type of redeeming of the franchise. You know, maybe that had something to do with, you know, the amount of screen time. Um, But I think Tom did a great job with it. I mean, if you're, yeah, I mean, if you're resurrecting, a cultural icon, you know, you've got a big job to do. And I think he did it well, bottom line. Yeah. I mean, you've heard about that before McLaughlin in a way wanted to kind of go back to the idea of like the universal monsters. And I've heard, I haven't done it, but I've heard people talking about it that he, he did it in such a way that if you watched it in black and white, it would feel like one of the old, the old school universal monsters film. And I know some people that I've written with who have done that they've turned their television black and white and watched it. And it was like, you know, the opening shot with the fog and the lake and everything. And it was just, just even thinking about it, it was like, yes, there is like a, a Frankenstein kind of feel to this, to this film. And, you know, I mean, you know, CJ was the perfect choice to, to play Jason in that movie. There's no question. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Tom's been on the show and he's, you know, made reference to being a fan of, you know, the black and whites and some of the older stuff and obviously the Easter eggs and the tributes to the older stuff, as uh, all of you know, that you see throughout the film. So, you know, I, I just think it was a very, uh, just a very good film in general, everything about it. I mean, it's going to have its haters. Yeah, I get that. But if you look at it objectively, seeing Jason resurrected for the first time, I don't really think that anybody else could have done a better job. Yeah. I can't argue with that at all. All right. So enough about number twos, let's just get right on down to business here and talk about our number one choices. So like I said, I know that this is a tough list and it's not really fair to compare human Jason to zombie Jason, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, let's just start off with you, Eric. And who was your number one choice? 
Now, originally, I had and uh, a very, very, very well-deserved Ted White at my number one spot. Now, stepping back and thinking about it from the perspective of seeing Jason go uh, have crazy eyes and go after Chris Higgins uh, in part three uh, in the dream sequence on top of his stoic performance of the character I I don't think that I could go with anything else but Sir Richard Brooker in all honesty thinking about it he he did everything that Jason should do with a mask and without. And I absolutely love the, the stalk and kill uh, that they kept in part three. And uh, yeah, I'm actually surprised that's coming out of my mouth because I, I had an image of uh, him scraping uh, on the window to uh in the dream sequence than busting through the door and come running uh still just a a maniac that uh as crazed as he was and you know we've talked about him and his uh wares based on what Steve Miner said uh broadcasting and knowing that and put that into the equation that's terrifying to me and he set the, he set the tone and the standard for which everything else was set. So, uh, yep, I'm sticking with Richard Brooker. And that's certainly an understandable choice. And, you know, it's kind of surprising that, uh, you know, that Ted White, I know that you're a big Ted White fan, obviously. And for the listeners out there, we amongst ourselves did not discuss our list. We specifically said, Hey, let's not talk about our list prior to the show and we'll just do it there. So I was expecting, you know, Ted white to be your number one, but, um, you're, you're definitely right on point. And Richard was also my number one choice. And here's the thing with part three, you know, part three is right up there in my top couple favorite Fridays. You know, part six is my favorite part three is my number two. And everything about part three to me just screams classic Friday. When I think about Friday the 13th, that's typically what I picture in my head is basically that. And the thing with Jason that we see there is it's obviously the first time that we see him with a hockey mask. And just some of the things that we see Jason do, you know, when he walks out on the dock and, you know, does the the cocky walk away, you know, after the kill shot with the spear gun. You know, there's there's just numerous things in that film where I think Jason is the most human. And I don't really I don't really mean anything specific by that, but it's almost like that is the most real when you think about, like, if this were to happen in real life, this is kind of how it would be. If does that make sense to you guys? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the. Like you talked about on the dock, the, you know, the mic drop basically is what it was. It was just like, you know, he was just kind of reveling in his own badassery for a second. You know, he was just kind of 
savoring what it was that he was doing. And I, I've always thought that with Brooker, that when you transition from two into three, it was just the idea of, you know, he was still, I don't know what the right word would be still, you know, he was still vulnerable. He was still a little awkward. You know, he, he could, he would fall down. He would lose his balance, whatever you might want to say, but he was far more efficient and better at what he was doing in the third film as it compared to the second one. And I think that that was kind of a realistic transition that, you know, he was continuing to improve and get better at what it was that he did. And I think with Brooker, we've, we saw that, you know, he was on the precipice of being that ultimate killing machine that he became in part four. And so I think that that was, you know, you have to tip the cap there that, you know, he picked it up, but he didn't go too far with it, you know? And I think that's the kind of thing that sometimes people don't give these actors who don't have any lot, any lines of dialogue, you know, they have to communicate everything with, you know, their, their body language. And I, I think that's, you know, Brooker should get more credit. I think he does get a lot of credit, but I think he should probably even get more in the fact that, you know, that was a realistic thing that he, he didn't become, he wasn't perfect, you know, but he, he was, he was getting to that point. And I think that that's a subtlety that uh, definitely have to uh, respect him for. Oh, definitely. And, you know, with all that in mind, you know, Jason obviously wasn't the most coordinated person, you know, he was obviously awkward, et cetera, et cetera. But the first time that you see the mask and the things that we see in that film, you know, that that's trend setting since we obviously had a bunch more films. So with the, the way the film was shot in general and just everything about it, you know, that might have a little bit to do, I guess, with, with my opinion, but to me, it's just such classic Friday and, he just deserves to be number one because he set the tone for the hockey mask killer that everyone else went on to do. So Mm -hmm. that's why, you know, that's why he's my number one. And there's more to it than just that, that makes him human. Um, And by the, uh, well, you can reference uh, our episode, uh, cannibal rapey guy. Uh, And, having that being uh, a center front from Steve Miner that and then you add the same scene that I spoke about before with him running after Chris Higgins or going after Chris the entire time I mean it, it was almost after it was almost like he was found Chris and he was destroying everything to get to her and that sexual component added a lot more fear looking at it from that perspective. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, just thinking back in retrospect, probably the thing with me or one of the the shots that I can remember being younger is obviously David Kadams, uh, Chuck, who was a recent guest on the show. And if you're listening, David, I appreciate your time and joining us a while back. But when the light comes on and Jason is standing behind him, to me, that is like the ultimate Friday scene. Like you turn the light on and Jason's standing behind you and it's like, oh, fuck. You know, that's like just absolutely classic to me. So it's, it's little things like that with part three that probably influenced my decision also, but you know, that that's what makes it great. You know, it's things like that that led to more films. So 
can we attribute Richard Brooker with inventing the mic drop? <laughs> you know, I think we almost have to because no one else did a drop of sorts. I just looked I mean, it up and it said rappers in the 80s and that, I mean, 82 is very early in the 80s. Well, I mean, he didn't drop the mic, but he dropped a spear gun, basically. So yeah, I would say we have to credit him with... Let's, let's just say we credit Richard Brooker, RIP, to the drop. How about that? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, like I said, that's, that's my choice. I mean, it, it's classic Friday shit. That's the first time we see the hockey mask. There's lots of great shit in part three. You know, uh, that's... That's just my number one. You know, he paved the way for the rest of the guys. And, you know, I give credit where I just think credit is due as far as that's concerned. Yeah, it was uh, unfortunate for me. I mean, that was now that we're at this point when I made my top three list, Brooker was the one that I had to leave off. And I felt bad about it when I was making the list. I feel bad about it now. (laughs) It almost feels it just feels wrong to leave Brooker off. But uh he did not make my list, uh, and as we were talking about my article from before, obviously Derek Mears is my number one. And uh, when you talk about human versus zombie, Jason, I think it's, I mean, as much as I love Kane Hodder, I think it's pretty clear that uh, with my head white pick as number three and Mears number one, I prefer human, Jason. But for me, something that I always appreciate when it comes to horror is anything that is authentic anything that feels real that could be real because there's so much in the genre that that isn't and then that's fine too i mean i still i still love everything about horror but the very fact it was the idea of like swift and shannon when you know they've made the 09 film was the idea i think i'm kind of building off of what jenny had talked about in part two in the bar scene it's just you know let's think beyond legend put it in real terms and i think that they're the first filmmakers in the franchise that really did look at it that way. They say, you know, if Jason really was walking around out there, what would this look like? And I think that's what Derek Mears was. And obviously he's a very tall and with his physique, he's a very intimidating individual, but I just think everything about it wasn't just that he was the human Jason. It was the first time that we saw Jason as a human being. And that is what stood out to me. You know, it wasn't just him about there out there and killing. He was killing for a reason. He was killing to defend himself and where he lived. He felt like people were a threat and that he had to get rid of them. It was kind of the idea of, you know, I'm going to get them before they get me. And even though that he wasn't really any in any direct danger, he wasn't going to take the time to figure that out. He just knew that, you know, he wanted to put them down before they got to him. But it was just the emotions that we got to see. It wasn't just anger. It was, you know, there was fear. There was confusion. You know, we actually got the idea, you know, there was loneliness there. You know, all the all the homework that Derek Mears did, all the preparation for the film, you know, the psychology of children who lose parents at a young age, the idea of survivalism in the wild, all those things going into it. It was just such a convincing portrayal of what Jason would be. And, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier. Some people were upset that, you know, he ran. He was, well, Jason doesn't run. And I think that that does come a lot from... C.J. Graham, and when you look at Kane Hodder over the course of four films, I think those f- those five movies, I think that's what people came to expect, that that's what Jason was. And when they say, well, Jason doesn't run, well, Jason did run quite a bit. 
you know, before we, we got to the point where, you know, CJ and Kane had taken over. And so it was kind of going back to what things were originally. And I think that when you watch the old nine film, there are so many little nods to all the other films. Like if you know the franchise, it wasn't, it was nothing over the top. There were just these little moments that you're like, okay, yeah, I get that. I see what you were doing there. But I just think that, you know, Mears was, it it was just a perfect portrayal of human Jason. And I think that what put it over the top for me was the fact that he was a human being that experienced emotion. But uh, just from the standpoint of him as killer though, I mean, I've said it before, I'll say it again, that, that burlap sack, man, to me, that's far more terrifying to look at than the hockey mask, even though, you know, that's frightening in and of itself. But it goes back to, I think when I was a kid, one of the first horror movies I can remember seeing was The Town That Dreaded Sundown. And it wasn't just the movie itself, but the cover art for the VHS cover. And it was just him glancing over his shoulder with that, with with the eyes and the, that mask. And then that's really what it, it conjured those memories for me. And I just think that there's something that, like you look at the be- the beginning of the film, you know, they're out there and, you know, guy's got the bear trap on his, on his foot. And they're panicking, what the hell's going on? And they just look over and he's just standing there you know, with a machete in hand and that sack over his head. And that is absolutely terrifying. I mean, I think that that, if nothing else, Derek Mears brought that back. You know, I think there was so much humor interjected and it became something where it was just a big party, you know, and you go to see Friday the 13th and is it, how many people is Jason going to kill? I think they put it back in realistic terms. And this Jason, Derek Mears as Jason was terrifying. It was the kind of thing that wasn't just, you're not frightened just because he's going to walk around and kill a lot of people. You know, he was, he was a horrifying figure and I, you know, I just, I just can't give him enough credit. And Nate and I talked about it a while back. I don't know how long ago it was now, but when we talked about, you know, the best prologues in the history of the franchise and Nate, you had talked about it, you know, talk to me six months from now or a year from now, maybe my opinion changes. And for years and years, my number one was Kane Hodder. And it's just been the last three or four months. I've, I've watched the 09 version a few more times and watched it more closely, watched it just for mirrors and, you know, the kind of things, the ideas that they were trying to convey with him. And I just think that for me, it's by far and away the best portrayal of Jason that we've ever seen. And it, it, when we do get to a point where they make another Friday the 13th, I would very much, I mean, if, if it's not Kane, which would be great, but if Kane doesn't come back, I would very much like to see it be Derek Mears. Yeah. I mean, depends on what route they go with it, you know, certainly. But, uh, you know, as you said, like we spoke, you know, things do change and your thoughts change. And, you know, it is what it is as far as that goes. And, you know, Derek, he he did a great job. I mean, I, I think the film's great. You know, I like his portrayal. And Derek was a fan, you know, and it's it's a lot better when you have a fan stepping into a film to portray something that they're, you know, obviously a fan of. And I think that obviously helped out, too. And, mm-hmm. you know, Derek's told me that before, you know, Hey, I, I'm a fanboy myself, you know? It, so mm-hmm. it was, it was awesome being able to, you know, portray a character that I'm a fan of, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many great things with that film. And I, I think it was, you know, it was written, uh, you know, appropriately. I mean, there might not be some things that, you know, I agree with a hundred percent, but you know, it is what it is. I enjoyed it. And there was, a, there was a, a gap in there, obviously from Freddy versus Jason to Oh nine, you know, we're sitting at a six year gap. Well, from Oh nine to now, you know, we're sitting at that gap again. So 
Right. It's going to be interesting to see what route we end up getting with the next film, because obviously we all know that we're going to get another one. It's just a matter of time. So it's it's just going to be interesting to see, you know, where we stand with that. I don't think we're going to see Derek in that role again, but, uh, you know, whoever that ends up being, you know, I hope they do their homework. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's the one thing that's, you know, a, a great credit to Derek Mears as well. I mean, you talk about when they finally do make another film, you got big shoes to fill. You know, Kane is still very, very fresh in everyone's mind. Mears' performance was fantastic. So it's whoever is going to don the mask next, you know, they, they have a lot to live up to. And I'm sure they'll make a fantastic choice. But, you know, big shoes to fill. Absolutely. And it's definitely a big film in general just because it is number 13 in the franchise. So whoever it is that steps up, they definitely better do their homework. I mean, no doubt. Because number 13 of Friday the 13th, I mean, shit. So <laughs> hopefully they make, you know, a wise decision as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to see The Rock as Jason. Get that out of your heads. Oh. He's in every other goddamn film. He don't need to be in a Friday film. Oh, that's strictly for stuntmen. And uh, as far as killing and having uh, previous experience doing so probably since his pedigree took him down there. I mean, you know, you could argue that Ted White's probably the most experienced at actually making you look like you're going to die and uh, in a brutal way just from his pedigree. And I, you know, I'm just happy that Friday the 13th has it's continued into my adulthood and you know, and it's something to hang on from on to from childhood. It's hard to refine it down to just a list because there's something I love about every single film and every portrayal of Jason. And I think that Derek Mears, he casts a huge shadow on the rest of the pack i mean to that follows i mean whether it is kane i hope it i hope it is i just want to see jason and i want to see it as someone that loves the character i mean you know 2009 obviously rebooted the franchise so it's going to be interesting to see you know where the next step leads if it's a retro 80s film then so be it if it continues from 2009 which i don't think that's what we're going to see if it does then great you know we just want to see jason i mean that's the bottom line just give us jason keep making these films there's obviously a fan base for it so you know it, it is what it is i mean jason's never going to die even if they never make another Friday film ever, there's still going to be tons of collectibles and tons of props and T-shirts and all that shit out there. It's never going to go away. So they ought to just be, you know, set in the path that, yeah, you know, even if we only make a, a movie every seven years, we just need to keep doing them. You know, mm-hmm. if Jason ever comes back and kicks Wolfman in the nards, uh, I'm just saying I'm going to be pissed. Well, there you go. All right, so let's go ahead and close this up for the evening. But with with closing in mind, if this were to be a top five episode, if you could pick two more, let's talk about who those might be, just very briefly. So, Lando, if you could add two more, 
and not necessarily in a four or five spot order, but just in general, if you could have a top five, who would you throw in there? Brooker and Graham. Those are, those are the guys I had to cut. And if I had a top five, they would be there. Gotcha. I kind of had a feeling that's probably what you were going to say. You know, it is tough to make a list. So, you know, just hypothetically speaking, just throwing that out there for closing. So, Eric, who would you throw in there if you had two more? White and mirrors. White and mirrors. Well, that's certainly understandable. I mean, for me, I would have to say, you know, obviously Ted didn't make the cut, so I have to throw Ted in there. And, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to give it to Kane. I mean, with that in mind, I our lists are all pretty much representative of one another, just different numerical order. So, right. you know, it's great that we didn't talk about it prior, not having any idea of anyone's choices, but obviously uh, the performances are, you know, what they are. And regardless whether it's one through five, they're right up there with all three of us, obviously. This is why I'm glad we didn't talk about it because I was thinking about it coming in. I was positive that Eric's number one was going to be Ted White. And Nate, I was positive yours was going to be CJ Graham. So, you know, I'm glad that we came in and did it and that ended up not being the case. So yeah, it's just always nice to get those, those surprises. Sure. And I, and I thought yours was going to be Derek just from your article, you know, and you know, CJ, he really is, you know, basically a number one for me. I mean, the only reason that he's not essentially is because of who paved the way. I just am old school and I give credit where credit's due. And, you know, I do love Richard's performance and I love part three. So it's like, it's, it's really a toss up for number one for me. I mean, it's, it's really like a 50, 50 split basically. But if I have to assign somebody, I have to respect my elders and who (laughs) paved the way. So number one's got to go to Richard and, you know, I love CJ and, you know, CJ is a friend of mine and I respect you know, his contributions. And I mean, he, he's still number one, but it's, it's basically a 50, 50, if that makes sense. Yes. One A and one B. Exactly. Well, all right. That wraps up another episode of return to camp blood. So please rate and review wherever you listen to the show at. If you have any questions or comments, you can contact us on our Facebook page, or you can email at feedback at campbloodpodcast.com. This episode was brought to you by Friday the 13th Franchise.com. Until next time.